0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of The Age Stage. I'm Brendan Telford. The Age Stage, of course, uh, takes a look at issues and matters affecting older Australians, made possible by Aftercare Australasia and our new friends at Australian Unity. Paula Dunn and I present the program each week here at RPPFM and with Paula taking a little bit of sabbatical, a chance for us to relive some of the bigger moments of the program over the last couple of weeks. We're going to be speaking to the Australian Aged Care Commissioner. We'll also be having a look at the work of the Bolton-Clark Research Institute on older women down here on the Mornington Peninsula. And we'll also be meeting one of the doyens of the aged care sector. That's Jeanette Lane, a local who's been putting in a lot of work and a lot of hard effort on older Australians. This is The Age Stage. Great to have your company. Let's first of all introduce you to the Aged Care Commissioner, Dr Kay Patterson, who spoke to both myself and Paula Dunn very recently.
1: This is RPPFM, and you're listening to The Age Stage. I'm Paula Dunn, and my co-host today is Brendan Telfer. And a coalition of more than twenty high-profile organisations and people have united to launch a new nationwide campaign, Brendan, to end ageism—the age discrimination in Australia.
0: Indeed, um, and the initiative is called Every Age Counts. It's a campaign which is now up and running, and the primary advocates are uh, Robert Tickner, the uh, former federal minister and Red Cross CEO, and Dr. K. Patterson, the federal age discrimination commissioner, no stranger to the age stage. And I'm delighted that she's back on the line to talk to us again today. Hello, Kay.
2: Good morning, Brendan. Good morning,
1: Paula. Good morning, Kay. Great to have you on the program again. So
2: Good to be back down there. I wish I was having a holiday down on yeah. the Washington
1: peninsula. Yes, it's beautiful, <laughs> absolutely beautiful. So tell us about Every Age Counts, Kay.
2: Well, this is the Benevolent Society, an initiative of the Benevolent Society. That's the oldest charity in Australia. It was set up 203 years ago. Really? The first... charity in Australia and they're still going and still going strong. They've just moved into beautiful new premises in Glebe Mm -hmm. and they received a $1.7 million grant from the Wicking Trust to actually kick this off a a campaign against ageism Mm -hmm. and they've got a very long term view, 5 to 10 years the program will run for and they've got a coalition of you've already said of about 20 people and organisations supporting this and Robert Mm. Tickner, who was a Labor Minister, and and myself, a former Liberal Minister, have joined um, together, irrespective of our political background, to say this needs to be stamped out.
1: That's wonderful. Now, just for uh, the sake of our listeners that may not understand, um, Kate, just explain, what is ageism?
2: Well, it's about when somebody's discriminated against because of their age in the workplace or receiving goods and services Or people just think having stereotypes about older people, that they're all the same, Mm. uh, that they um, are dithery and old and don't need to be counted and disregarded. And I think it's about saying, no, they're our treasures. They're people who've helped to build this nation and we ought to respect them. And we don't always do that in our culture. And we could learn from other cultures about respecting our elders and actually saying that these people have got a lot to teach us about living a long life, and a lot of younger people, I'm now talking about people in their 40s and 50s, but also even younger, are likely to live into their mid-90s and many of them into their 100s.
1: Mm, Yes, we're hearing that, aren't we?
0: But, Kay, why are we having this discussion about ageism, you know, here in the 21st century? Don't people get it that older Australians do have a role and can make a sizeable impact in our society?
2: No, I was talking to a 102-year-old the other day at the opening of our Sydney exhibition of um, 100 artists, young artists, teenagers between 14 and 19, painting 100 centenarians in New South Wales. We did it here in Victoria now in Sydney. And one of the 102-year-olds said that she was at Bronte Beach recently with her daughter, who I presume is in her late 70s or early 80s. And some young person said, "Why? what are you doing at the beach? She said, we're here because we love the beach. What an awful thing for somebody yes. to say. Why shouldn't somebody be at the beach in the hundred and two? She said the water was a bit cold at the moment, and she goes to zumba classes. Well, <laughs> she, oh,
0: good on her! Fantastic. So, yeah, you know,
2: I really and she recited some um, Macbeth for us. So just a tremendous character, and you think we need to expose young people to these sort of people, who so that they can know that they're you know they're still passionate about issues, they still want to contribute to the community, and I just think that uh, we we haven't really experienced the very old, old, I'm talking about people 80 plus.
1: Mm. When
2: I was younger, I touched the first person I met who was 50, who 90, I mean, I thought I'd never met somebody who was 90. In 1976, there were 122 centenarians in Australia. There, We now think about 4,500, that figure changes. Wow. And we think in 2050, there'll be about 44,000, 45,000 centenarians. That just shows you how we really need to work towards people appreciating, understanding and acknowledging the contribution older people have made.
0: It's very common in the workplace. Well, they're going to have to get that equation pretty quickly as well with the falling birth rate as well, Kay. I mean, these people are really stepping up and it's on the basis of their hard work and their input, surely, that basically um, we're going around at the moment.
2: Well, of the complaints that come to the Australian Human Rights Commission... About 8% are about ageism or age discrimination, and a significant portion of those are about being discriminated against in the workplace. Oh, we don't want somebody over 50, or you're overqualified, or you must probably take too much sick leave. Now, sometimes that's he said, she said, because Mm -hmm. there's no written evidence that somebody's discriminated, but sometimes just bringing people together for a a conciliation, which is what is done quite separately from the commissioners. There's a separate group of lawyers and people who who work in conciliating these issues and just bringing people in to discuss how they felt when an employer apparently or allegedly discriminated against them may just make the employer think twice again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people uh, re-employ someone, not always, but, but usually it's about somebody saying, oh, I'm sorry, we didn't realise we were being aged. Now, we've just done with the Australian Human Resources Institute which hasn't been released yet but in that there were a significant proportion of companies indicated that they chose not to employ people over 50. Wow. I can't remember the exact figure, I should have it there here at hand but I don't, but it was very significant mm-hmm. and that makes you uh, you're very concerned because older people have got mortgages they need to pay, they're not eligible for the age pension hmm. they uh, all the evidence shows that they're loyal workers, that they don't have a lot of stick leave, that um, many of them are now IT literate. And one of the figures in that survey showed that more people realise that older people have IT skills, which is a good change because a lot of um, older people are very early adopters and keep themselves up to date. And I think what, one of the things that the Benevolent Society is doing is actually working with all of us who are working in this area to try and stamp out ageism in the workplace in getting people to retire too soon, or not helping people transition to retirement, or not employing people over forty-five or fifty. Mm. Then they're going to move on to other areas as well. It's a really long-term approach, and yeah. their website is Every Age Council, mm-hmm. one word, Every Age org au, mm-hmm. and you can sign up to this, and they'll send you information, and they ask people to take the pledge, and. Tickner and I took the pledge and it says, I stand for a world without ageism where all people of all ages are valued and respected and their contributions are acknowledged. I commit to speak out and take action to ensure older people can participate on equal terms with others in all aspects of life.
1: Mm, wonderful. People, yes, yeah.
2: But very, very profound. To the point,
1: yes, definitely. So do you think advertising is the way to go? Like, just say, for instance, that being repeated on, you know, television or, you know.
2: Well, I think people can just, individuals can join. Yeah. Can join up and they can, um, you know, commit and I think to be able to say, we've got, you know, 10,000, 200,000 people mm-hmm. over the last three years have taken the pledge and they're going to make a difference. Mm. and you know i was on a, tr- a train like that, not all that long ago in sydney and there were a whole lot of young people with their heads down looking at their iphones and these two very elderly people got on and finally i just said with a very loud voice i'm sure there's somebody who'll give you a seat each and there was a lot of shuffling and people got <laughs> up and one person said to me good on you i said well that's my job and I think it's important that... Yeah. And I don't think they were just being rude. They were just preoccupied with their screens. Yes,
1: yes, yeah. self-occupied. Yeah, definitely. And, and
2: they, they just didn't notice that these two very elderly people with suitcases, obviously going out to the airport, I, I would suppose, but they needed a seat. I mean, I was standing and that's fine, but I'm 74. Mm. But mm. I always accept a seat. If somebody offers me a seat, I accept because I think even though I'm, a, you know, I, I don't look... I hope I don't look my age, but I must probably do look my age. You won't never update your own, uh, how old you look. Your, your schoolmates always seem to look older than you do. But, <laughs> but I, I just say, unless I'm only going one stop, look, thank you. And if I were going more than one stop, I'd accept it, and I really appreciate it. But I think just to say, turn it down, would discourage them from doing it again. Yes, that's so I think right. Yeah. We all, I mean, I'm, I will stand up for a pregnant woman. And yes. it's not about, it's about... That person needs to see more than I do at that time. It's mm-hmm. not
0: always about age. Mm. So, so Kay, just firstly, can I just take you back to the survey that you've just done, and you're saying that um, companies are discriminating in the workforce with people over 50. They're tending not to hire people over 50.
2: They say they say is, we is, don't hire people
0: over 50. Well, well, isn't there legislation that protects those applicants to those jobs and, and, and guarantees them the right to apply? And, and Well, and
2: that's what I said. We get complaints. Sometimes it's hidden. Oh, we just They just don't... You, know, you put in an application, they say you weren't a successful candidate. Unless they say you weren't a successful candidate because we don't employ people over 50, What whose word is it that you, you weren't the best yeah. candidate, that mm-hmm. a 30-year-old was the best candidate? So it's very hard to detect. And what you have to do is change attitudes. And yes. what I've been doing is working with the Australian Human Resources Institute. We've done the survey. We're looking at how we can actually introduce into the undergraduate courses for people recruiting and human resource staff and or trainees. And they're often younger. And it's not being critical. When I was 25, I thought 32 was ancient. I mean, yeah. it's not being critical of them. It's just exposing them, for example, to a young recruiter who said, look, I was a bit reluctant to employ someone older because I thought, will they take instruction from a younger person? Mm. Will they have more stick leave? boy, we appointed them, we didn't realise what they bring, all their skills, all their knowledge, their cross-mentoring, and have young people saying that they were surprised and how positive it is to have employed an older person. So it's about really deep educational changes that we need in, in the training of young people in human resources and also in continuing professional development. So I've, do- also, I've also written an article for the... Australian Institute of Company Directors last June to say to directors, you should be calling in your HR people and saying, what are we doing about employing older people?
1: Mm-hmm. There
2: are a couple of reasons. One is, that as the baby boom starts to retire, and the oldest of baby boom is 70, there are fewer people coming into the workforce. So companies need to understand that unless they actually look after their current workers, help them to transition to retirement, employ older workers, they won't have the staff. And the second thing is, that if we increase the number of people over 55 in the workforce, it will have a $33 billion impact per annum on the economy. Gosh, that's amazing.
0: That's a huge amount of yeah. money, Kay. And
2: that's yeah. the most conservative estimate. There are quite a few of the consulting firms have done, you know, studies of what the impact will mm-hmm. be, and that mm-hmm. that's the most conservative, that there'd be a $33 million impact with just with a 33% increase. When you take the people off benefits when they're most yes. probably healthier and more connected into the community. They don't use the doctor as often, they don't use pharmaceutical benefits as often, and they start paying taxes, and it has this really uplift factor on the on the, on the economy. So it has a benefit for the company, a benefit for the individual, and a benefit for the community.
1: So, Kay, as Age Commissioner, are you seeing an improvement at all in attitudes?
2: I think there's been, you know, I said the survey showed that they that some people, um, an increase in the number of people believe that older people are more IT literate. I think that um, this campaign will make a huge difference. I think it's absolutely vital that Robert Tickner and I have joined together across the political divide and, you know, we've got to, we're on the same page about saying this is detrimental to our community for all sorts of reasons. We isolate people because we don't think they're valued, we don't need to see them, they're more at risk of, elder abuse, Mm -hmm. which is a huge cost to them personally and to the community and also we haven't got them working. So I think you know, it's everybody's business. Every single person needs to do this. And one of the things I say to people is, the climate you set now is the climate you'll inherit. Mm -hmm. And if you set a climate that's positive about older people, the contribution they can make, the contribution they have made, that's the climate you'll inherit. And unless you die a premature death, Every single one of us is going
0: to age. You're listening to The Age Stage on R W fm We'll take a little bit of a break, but a reminder that uh, The Age Stage, a program designed by us here at RP-FM to look at issues and matters concerning older Australians. We'll be back with the Age Discrimination Commissioner right after this break. Before the break, we were speaking with Australia's Age Discrimination Commissioner, Dr. Kay Patterson. Hi, everyone. Brendan Toffer in the studio with Paula Dunn today. This is the Age Stage. Great to have you company coming to you live from the Bendigo Bank Studio down here in beautiful Mornington Day. Our special guest today is the Age Discrimination Commissioner, Dr. Kay Patterson. Before the break, we were talking, Kay, about the incredible impact that the older Australians are going to have to make going into the future. Do you think we older Australians need a sort of a me too type moment? To sort of try and galvanise um, thinking around the issue of older Australians and their role in society? Mm,
2: to,
1: to raise awareness.
2: Well, yeah. I think this is what the um, Every Age Counts is trying to do in a different form. I think the Me Too um, could be a bit negative, and the Every Age Counts is about positive attitudes, positive action. So I think I wouldn't like to see yet another campaign when we've got one already underway with you know, 20 organisations and significant individuals involved with a grant of $1.7 million from the uh, Wicking Trust, mm-hmm. it really does give a good foundation for a campaign that's not short-lived, that they're aiming to have 5 to 10 years. I mean, what campaign do people plan for 5 to 10 mm-hmm. years? And I, You know, the Benevolent Society needs huge congratulations for taking this on. And this is, you know, I don't think we need another... Me too type campaign. This is a positive campaign about taking action to ensure that we don't have elder um, or ageism, which is one of the really basic factors that leads to elder abuse.
0: Well, what about the role then of government? You're talking about the bipartisan stance at the moment within your group, Uh, and I know you don't want to comment publicly on it, but in the UK they're looking at the issue of ageism from the point of view of hate crime, for goodness sakes. We probably don't have to go there, but is there a role for for governments to play here in terms of shaping legislation going forward, do you think?
2: Well, the former Attorney-General... George Brandis initiated an Australian Law, Refic- uh, Australian Law Commission report with 43 recommendations, and one of my roles is to ensure that as much of those that report is implemented as possible. One of them was to have a national plan. The current Attorney General, Port- uh, Minister Porter, has actually initiated a draft plan into consultation with all the attorneys general. That has been undertaken, it's been out for consultation and in December all the attorneys will meet together to look at whether they can agree with a national action plan. So governments are doing something about it and there's some interesting innovation being undertaken by various local councils, by various state governments, by um, federal governments, for example, uh, the Victorian state government. Has actually looked at some work that was being done in Box Hill, with by the the Eastern Suburbs Community Legal Centre. They got together about a hundred people who were working with older people, community police, aged care assessment teams, lawyers, various people involved in working with older people who are at risk. They formed a network, and it's been so successful that the state government's now funded nine more of those. But only for a year, so I hope that whoever wins the state election continues this. They're now in Bendigo and various rural areas to bring together everyone who's involved with working with older people, particularly those at risk, to actually know each other so when a community police person finds somebody in difficulty, they know someone they can go to. It's forming this network of people committed and interested in working with older people at risk. So there's some really interesting, innovative things happening. And the one of the other things that the Law Reform Commission report suggested was a knowledge hub. One of the things I've found is as you move around the Australia, there are some exciting things happening in, for example, South Australia that the people in New South Wales don't know about and vice versa. So if we have best practice or things that didn't work so well, people can have a look and say, gosh, we could adapt that for us. So governments are doing some things.
0: Well, it's fantastic, and you're driving them as well as the Age Commissioner Kay, and all power to you. It's been a sensational contribution that you've made over the last few years as well. I tell you what, I think a lot of these people should be taking a bit of a leaf out of us here at PFM. I'm not trying to sort of blow up our own (laughs) bottoms here, but, I mean, the incredible contribution of people over 50 at this radio station or multimedia station now has just been phenomenal. And if companies, commercial opportunities could see just the level of expertise and experience... And the thought, the creative thought that comes up the steps into this little radio station, it is quite phenomenal.
1: And the way that we work with younger people as well, you know, and
2: younger people. So it's about intergenerational projects. I think are one way to go. Definitely. And schools are doing it too. You know, getting young people to interview older people just so they realise they're not dithering and haven't got an opinion about. They've got a history. And I always taught my health science students when I was teaching all the Victorian health science students, physios, OTs, nurses, that this was like their grandma or their grandpa that they were looking after. Somebody who'd been a mother, a father, a soldier, you know, a lawyer, Mm -hmm. a hairdresser. They all had histories and they all needed to be respected. They weren't a hip or a liver or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're described in medicine that they have a history and they've got even something to give back for you talking for, talking to them for a little while and learning about them. And that's what these intergenerational projects do. Wonderful.
0: Incredible. Yes. Um, you're 74 years young. Yeah. You've admitted that publicly with us today, Kay Patterson. Age Commissioner, your term, you say, runs out next year? No, no 2021. 2021. That's good. Are you looking beyond that by any chance in your role?
2: Well, I don't know whether I'll get another gig, but I'd hope <laughs> I'd like to. I mean, I, I applied for the job and I thought, well, I can't discriminate on the basis of age. <laughs> and I think I've, and I say my age because I think it's important to be out and proud about my age. Yeah, I say,
1: agree with I'm that. I'm still
2: working yeah. full time. I've still got passion. Mm. I, and the other thing is that somebody said, how are you enjoying this job? I said, I feel like I've got back into an old saddle. I've been teaching in this area since the late 1970s. I went to America to study gerontology, which is the study of ageing. I then pursued a whole lot of issues affecting older people in the parliament. I got rid of the compulsory retirement age in the public service, which made a huge difference to people who can, especially women who can stay on working and save a bit more in their superannuation and not eat into any sort of small savings they've got. And and then I did a big project on homelessness for the Victorian government which they said, show us the emerging groups. And the two emerging groups were young people moving from out-of-home care, from foster care, and older women at risk of homelessness, women who were renting Mm. and alone. And the moment they couldn't rent, they'd run down their assets and lose their their roof over their head. Mm -hmm. And so all those things have come together. And I think, I couldn't have done this at 35. I didn't have that experience. So there are some jobs that fit an older person when all those things in your life come together. To think, I've not got a lot of time left. I'm going to make the most of it and try and make a difference.
1: I think the thing, Kay, is we can't teach wisdom.
2: Well, what's the old saying? You can't put a young head an old head an on old young head, shoulders. that's right. But young heads are very valuable. Mm-hmm.
0: Dr. Kay Patterson, thank you very much indeed for your time today. We truly appreciate it. Where and how do we go to find a little bit more about Every Age Counts?
2: If, you, if they go to the internet and they just Google. Every age count, all one word, dot org dot au. They'll find all the stuff that's on there, and if they join up, they'll get information out about what's happening. And the more that join up, the more we can say, here's the people who are backing us about these issues, and they can support the campaign.
0: Sounds fantastic. Everybody should be getting on to it. Dr. Kay Patterson, thank you very much indeed taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk to us down here at PFM. And you know that the welcome mat is always out for you to come bounding up the steps and join us here at RPFM. Anytime well, I hope you... I can keep bounding up the steps, Brendan, and
2: thank you both for thank your you, interest. In thank you, Thank you. Thank you so Lovely much. Lovely to talk so, to you.
0: Thank you so much, Kay. See, speak to you again. Bye-bye. Bye. The Aged Age, brought to you each week on RPPFM in association with Aftercare Australasia and our new sponsors, Australian Unity.
1: And this is The Age Stage. Uh, you're with RPPFM. It's a chance to catch up with one of our very own elder rights campaigners, Jeanette Lane. Welcome back to RPPFM, Jeanette.
3: Thanks very much.
0: Jeanette, you've been around for a, a, a while here. You're no stranger to us at RPPFM, so great to have you back. And congratulations, by the way. We love the profile in the Seniors Handbook this week, celebrating Mm. older Australians. (laughs) Well done. And a wonderful profile on you and, and all power to you as well.
3: Oh, thanks very much for that. That's very nice. So a celebrity here on the Morning <laughs> Company. Well, she,
0: she is, she is. But Jeanette, you were telling me before we came on air about a super story about you and your grandson who might have got a little bit of a view of that uh, wonderful portrait of he, your, you as well. Did, tell, tell me that story.
3: He, he, it's actually, my portrait is actually at um, Parliament Station and my grandson actually works in the city and he's a chef at a, a, a big restaurant in there and um He gets off every morning at Parliament Station and he hopped off the train to see my photo there and I buy a big picture up. So he sent me a note. He said, Grandma, do you realise how old I am? I'm 27. I got off the train and you're sitting there. I do know where to get off the train, Grandma, <laughs> and I do know what to do, so just want to let you know, I'm coping okay, Grandma. Nice to see your photo, though, Grandma. Good luck. <laughs> oh, how
1: gorgeous.
0: It's fantastic. <laughs> well, well, Jeanette, you're a bit of a legend. Now, of course, you work down here on the Mornington Peninsula. You work very closely with the Shire. You work very closely with PACE. Tell us a little bit about all that work that you do.
3: Yes, I work with PACE. I've been on the PACE committee for the last 14 years. And I've been um, chair of that committee a couple of times, and not just recently.
1: And what does PACE
3: stand for? And PACE is a Peninsula Advisory Committee for Elders. Oh, good. And um, we're involved in lots of things on the Morning Peninsula, without a doubt, and um, and have done you know quite a lot of work really um, enhancing things right across the Peninsula here, and, um, and ensuring actually that um, older people. Are, are treated fair and equitable, and everybody gets all the things that they're looking for as well. And
1: do you think that's happening today? It is th- ha- happening. Yeah, do you think well, people think are... I the thing and- is
3: that we're running lots of programs. And, like, for example, um, we're just currently going to be running a program in the next uh, week, actually, on the um, 16th of October. And it's just a matter of getting the message out, and we're getting a message out this time on legal matters and ageing forum. Mm -hmm. And it's to take take the chance to ask the experts about some of the most common legal issues affecting older people. And those issues are, of course, medical decisions, making law and recent changes, retirement villages, aged care, rules and elder abuse, of course, which is elder abuse, sadly to say, is rife. Mm. Yes, you,
0: well this has been one of your great concerns, hasn't it, elder abuse it for, has, for a number without of years. A doubt. We'll go back and we'll promote that more in just a moment. Um, but elder abuse, this is something that uh, has really bothered you for a long time, isn't it? It has.
3: We've run a lot of programs on the Morning Peninsula on elder abuse and we're running another one actually, of course, on the 16th of October and Gary Ferguson actually from Seniors Rights in Victoria is coming down to conduct that program for us. And so- as well as having Gary coming down to do that, we're also going to have um, Russell Kennedy Lawyers speaking and uh, Seniors Rights Victoria Gabriel Gary and William Betts from the Peninsular Community Legal Centre. We're going to have a QA and a session and we'll be having a lovely morning tea and um, it's down there at the Safety Beach Yacht Club actually and starting at 10.30 on the 16th in the morning till 1pm. Uh, but if people who are interested in going to that program, we need to have your information. So if you could telephone nine seven eight three three six double that would be fantastic so that you get your details etc so the phone number nine seven eight three three six double
1: and so how does that um, appear to you um, elder abuse Jeanette you know how, how how is
3: it showing itself how is it showing mm. itself well give me I'll give you an example it's yep. just recently um, we were having doing weed day which is world elder abuse awareness day and we were handing up the ribbons. Etc. Actually, down at the plaza at um, Mornington, at uh, Rosebud, and uh, this uh, guy who I know quite well in our progress club came and asked me for information. I gave it to him, and then he rang me the next day and asked me, "Could he have some information?" And um, and what happened actually is, is a, a lady actually um, had bought, up, bought a house down in Rodonga. and and lo and behold, um, what's happened actually was that. Uh, she found out the house was no longer in her name, it was in three names oh, and dear. so consequently then she had to get in touch with seniors' rights and they're trying to fix the situation up for her. so it had been mortgaged, and she hadn't it actually is we're not quite sure what happened mm. actually, but it was in three names here, yeah. wow. so that's being fixed up at the moment, but the sadness is what happens is it's um, how can I say nicely <laughs> uh, say the sadness is it happens it's um, families that think. Because mum has a bit of money that they, they're entitled to that money. Mm, mm. Yes. And there's another case recently where a husband and wife went into a nursing home. And they were in room two and three. And, and what happened from there actually is apparently a member of the family moved mother to room number 59. And so it's pretty it's pretty mm. sad and pretty mixed yes. up actually. And it's, and it's a tragic world of things that you would go and do that to your parents or... Yes. Your mother and so
0: forth. Yes. I remember you telling me a year or so ago about a terrible case as well where an elderly gentleman was sort of consigned to a sort of shed out the back of the family home. He was basically moved out. Yes, that's why I got involved in this. Was that, was that the case that really got you involved in the first place, was it? Yes. So it mm. was pretty, pretty desperate, I just wasn't couldn't
3: it? believe it, yeah.
0: So he'd been moved out of the family home. He was living in a shed out the back. It mm. had no flooring on it. It was just a turf floor, wasn't it?
3: Yeah. Why would Why would a family do that? Like, you know, what money lovers the money they want yeah. It's some money and all of these things. And, and I think that, you know, it, it makes you wonder. It's, it's, it's what goes on in life and how. Mm. And just because somebody gets older. It, You know, it's just very sad indeed. It is very sad. So
0: you're all about empowering the older voice and allowing people to step up and say, you know what, this is wrong, you've got to do something about this. Are people getting the message that they can, they do have rights?
3: Yeah, they are. They're getting the message now, which is great. And some of the good things that's happened, like I don't know whether you know this or not, but Gerard Menzel, when um, we had the minister before she died, actually she made um, Jared Menzel the... Um, person for um, you know, senior for, for these kind of things actually to deal with Gerard Mansor as a commissioner for for all these things and um, uh, a lot has been done with Gerard what he's doing and so forth and um, and a lot you know a lot has been achieved and which is fantastic but of course it's getting the message out to everybody so that they understand you know mm. this
0: because you know, a, an elderly frail a person, I suppose, is not wanting to assert themselves that That's much. That's exactly a, right, they're frightened. And the cultural expectation is that they're a little bit quiet and they help out and their mum and dad are there to give them a bit mm. of a hand. Yes. But really, they have their own fundamental rights and an expect, and they should be having an expectation about how they want to serve out and live out their, their mm-hmm, last days, surely.
1: That's right, yeah. we hope so. Yeah. I think addiction would play a big part too These in this day and age. Do you think so, Jeanette? Medical, yes, addic- so. medical addictions yeah. of the Add- children. Addiction of the children, yeah. Okay. And so right. the need for money. And, the need for the money. Uh, yeah,
3: that's right, to yeah. feed the addiction. Yeah. The need for the money and they th- they see that, you know, it's... um, And then you get the opposites of people, you see. of, I and mean, they're not all like it. Or not, not all their children are like this. No, of course You not. just get yeah. particular children that yeah. like it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it just makes you wonder... You know, why on earth?
0: Well, the role of the siblings in this as well. That's and I mean, right. just families, you just, you, it's very difficult, of mm. course, to understand them. And again, I come back to the overseas model about extended families mm. and the responsibilities that kids feel about their parents and their grandparents. Right. And how they secure and look after them into their old age because they're revered mm. whereas yeah. our yeah. Western society is much more materialistic seems to want to dispose of them put them away they're a bit of an issue mum mm. sort of lost the marbles and mm. I mean you know what I mean
3: yeah I do yeah. And in all the country when you look at the map of the world and you see uh, if you go in the map of the look at look at go into the you know the, into the computer and look up um, elder abuse and up will come a map of the world and it's coloured kind of, Mauve colour, where they they have elder abuse, mm-hmm. but in countries actually where you've got, you know, people with different coloured skin, there's none. Mm-hmm. none. Yes. Because they're brought up to respect, to their be revered, yes, and to look
0: after, yes,
1: yeah. that they have the wisdom and the, wisdom. And, uh, and yeah. the knowledge, and so, and so it's a sort thing. of
0: an yeah. Anglo-European thing. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, yeah, incredible.
3: What we're also trying to do at the moment is um, uh, to help make people aware of the issues and where they go to get help. If they're affected and uh, we believe that there has been an increase in reporting elder abuse in the community here without a doubt as as a result of all the work that we've done actually with PACE and and the rest of us actually and so which is great actually which is great and getting that message out which is you know getting the message out so that people are aware that's the main thing really. Yes. So, so if
0: somebody was listening to this and they thought that they were being victimized in some way, yes. there is a mechanism whereby they can get some protection or at least a sounding board to go and discuss their issues with somebody. It's yes, readily available. Yes, there is. Yeah. They get in touch with the Shire, with you, how do they what well, they get
3: they? in they get in touch with seniors' rights?
0: And that's where they... Senior's rights
3: are there are. to help them, yes.
0: And then senior's rights would, what, organise a council of some sort to come they, out? They
3: get people to come out and see them or they take, or they go in to see them in the city, yeah.
0: And this would be a discreet meeting in the first instance, particularly exactly. if somebody was feeling a bit put yep. upon and yes. being pushed into a position where they didn't necessarily want to be... Mm. ...but mm. Right. thought that they were being abused. That's right, yes.
1: Okay. okay. Yeah.
0: Well, Jeanette, yes. once again, fantastic catching up with you. Congratulations again on all this uh, work you do. And once again, um, a couple of numbers perhaps. You, did we did we have that number that you, we needed to ring in case we wanted to get involved in one of these sessions?
1: The 9783-3600.
0: Yes.
1: Well, thank you, Jeanette, for coming okay. to visit us today.
0: And- Jeanette Lane, thank you very much indeed. And Jeanette's certainly an absolute uh, doyen as far as... Um, Elder abuse is concerned in this part of the world and her contribution to PACE and what is going on in our part of the world down here mm. on the Mornington Peninsula is absolutely fantastic. And Jeanette, thank you so much indeed for joining us again today. This is the Aid Stage on rpp Brendan Telfer in the hot seat with you today, a special highlights program. Earlier this month, we spoke to the Bolton Clark Research Institute looking for older Mornington Peninsula women to help design services that will support older women living alone across the region. In particular, Paula was intrat- lead researcher there, Dr Radna Ojan about the work that she's doing looking for older monitor peninsular women to help design services to support them as they live alone. They're particularly interested in this area of research. Thank
1: you for having me, Paula. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself. I'm good, thank you. So tell us a little bit about this topic.
4: Sure. Um, well, research shows that older adults living alone have an increased risk of health and they also have greater difficulty with physically getting around, they've got high rates of falls and difficulties with general activities of daily living compared to those living with others and as Australian women get older, they're more likely than men to live by themselves Mm. Um, and so women in particular have issues that impact on their ability to age well in place with greater risk of poverty and homelessness.
1: Oh, that's so, a, yeah, that's awful. That's well, I mean, I'm one of those women living on her own um, at age 65. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I can identify with what you're saying.
4: Oh. Yeah, so, I mean, unfortunately, living by yourself, um, as uh, women tend to have a little bit less support to keep independent and um, keep socially active. So this is where, um, unfortunately, services out there um, aren't uh, available to, to do much in this space.
0: Mm -hmm. Why is that so, Raina? Why aren't there services to support women in this space?
4: Well, I'm not quite sure about why that is. There are a lot of services out there, uh, but there are many different groups that actually need support. And and I think we're living a lot longer than we ever have, um, and we're maintaining our independence a lot longer than we ever have. I mean, you know, it's a wonderful world we live in. We're the most educated, the most healthy, the most affluent, the most knowledgeable we've ever been in any time Um, on the world uh, to date so I mean there are fantastic things but associated with that is being able to deal with the potential issues that arise as a result of needing additional support that we never thought we would need.
0: Well one thing just sorry Paula to interrupt but one thing I heard you mention there was homelessness now the prospect of homelessness for an older single person past retirement age must be terrifying.
4: Yeah, and actually older women are the highest um, uh, group uh, increasing uh, homelessness uh, in Australia.
1: Wow, that's astounding.
4: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, so, I mean, that's outside of what, what we're able to do, but certainly an area um, that uh, I know that many uh, groups uh, are
1: What group are we looking at there, Raina? Um, In terms of homelessness? well,
4: What we're looking at is actually people...
0: this way are they from a low social economic background they've had to work manually all their lives what's the story what's going on yeah
4: it's a, a number of different issues be able to um, uh, have active lives and be able to to basically earn the income that they need to keep a roof over their head.
1: And so, Raina, are these, um, you know, why are women more p- prevalent than men? You uh, know-
4: look, you know, unfortunately, the Lord Mayor's Charitable Foundation had a great report that they commissioned to be done um, in 2015, and they found a conflict. As women who, you know, get out of the workforce because mm. they're, they're having children and they have to care for others, family violence is another mm. big issue, and certainly um, the inequity of of income um, between the genders is, is, as you know, in the in the media. There's been a lot of discussion about women's uh, pay being.
1: I found that women um, seem to cope better on their own than our male cal- counterparts uh, in in different circumstances.
4: Yeah, in different circumstances, yeah. certainly. But uh, but I mean, this is where if they have a social support network, yep. they have the finances, they have you know things in place that helps them. They resilient if you've got an education you know you've got, um, and you don't have all of those other factors that really um, can pull you down and and make it really hard for you to be able to do what you need to do to live the life that you want to live
1: so do you think that if a male was in the same situation that he would be able to cope better with that
4: oh look it does depend on the individual with health um, mental health or physical health problems yep. you know that that does become much very difficult for for both but as I said women tend to be um, uh, have a few more issues to prevent them from being able to support themselves financially mm-hmm. uh, because of the income inequity and also the superannuation aspect not uh, particularly with um, someone as they um, retire um, and also that the really strong caring roles they tend to take on um, to support their own families as opposed to to them, you know, protecting themselves as they get older. Mm -hmm.
0: So where's the reciprocity in the families then, Raina?
4: Oh, look, you know, every uh, family is different and there are great supports along the way, but sometimes those supports break down. And so so that's what we're trying to do with the work um, that we're doing is actually look at what do women who live by themselves need to help them maintain their independence and
0: So you've introduced the Bolton Clark Research Institute, of course, which is very kind of you. Thank you for doing our job for us. And, of course, but how does this work in with the Uniting Victoria and Tasmania as yeah. well? So it maybe explain that for us a little.
4: Sure. Um, look, we'd originally done, um, based on the work that the Lord Mayor's Charitable Foundation um, report, uh, we... Uh at Bolton Club, do uh, see clients in, but also United and Vic has, does provide some volunteer support in that region mm-hmm. and So this
0: is a call to action then by you. You want to hear from older women living in our part of the world down here on the Mornington Peninsula to assist with you, provide some sort of a schedule, some mechanism, whereby they can maintain their independence.
4: Yeah, yeah. So what we did was um, we looked at the Australian Bureau of Statistics data and we found that more older people living in the Dramana, Rosebud and Hastings area of Mornington Peninsula. And we also found that these rates have a higher number of people with lower incomes. So those are the three areas that we're seeking women who are living by themselves, mm-hmm. um, who are interested in, in actually working with us so that we can come up with things that would be useful for them mm-hmm. um, that and it will meet their needs and we'll we do what's needed over the long term.
1: And, and how long will the study be going on for, yeah. Raina? So
4: This project will probably be a good 18 um, months of work in the area, and Uniting and Victor's will then be able to keep that going. So, whilst the project itself is relatively short term, they've been um,
0: I don't want to preempt what Paula's going to say, but mm-hmm. I think maybe we should be partnering up a little bit with yes. you here, Rainer, and maybe yeah. following your progress from time to time and adding not only our radio input, but also maybe our vision as well and just mm-hmm. following you around and just seeing how you do follow through on your studies and your research. I yes.
4: oh, would be delighted to have a yeah. com- running commentary. It would be great. Yes. <laughs> so, so
0: what is the methodology then? How do you get out and how do you introduce yourself to the women living in the Dramana, the Rosebud and the Hastings areas? Apart
4: yeah, from so, t- uh, we've just spent the last few months uh, speaking All of the key service providers in the region, so the Mornington Peninsula Shire, uh, looking at the Mornington Health, looking at the various. Others, but many actually are uh, not, and so this is another group that that uh, we're looking at uh, engaging. in. Capel Sound has a, has a great uh, facility, uh, or group of um, uh, residences of about 800 people. Yes. Who are so, so that's mm. tr- I must admit was mind-boggling for us. But that's the kind of um, thing that we're trying to look at of where we. of getting that information out and we're, we're hoping to, to
1: speak with the local paper mm-hmm. um, and do various um, uh, information uh, Well it sounds really interesting, Raina, so you'll have to keep us posted. Fantastic.
0: You will indeed. Just yes. just Just quickly, how? Just very quickly before we let you go, Raina, how does the process work? You call women together in some sort of a forum, you have a QA and a and you just work through a, a KPI, a checklist of some sort? Yeah,
4: yeah. So literally um, we, we have a process we're going to draw from from the women what's important for them in any kind of service that they'd be interested in and there's a list of of things that we know um, are important and what that might look like for them and then um, we go to then the volunteers and get their feedback and then we go to the the, the people that provide services out there and get their feedback and then we put that all together and go back to the women and say this is what um, we've all come up with feedback and so it's this constant backwards and forwards mm-hmm. of gathering that information and putting it together so that we can make sure that what we, we do put together does um, meet mean-
0: and then you take that package up to Spring Street and you say, thank you very much indeed, we want some funding for this.
4: Well, we've actually got funding to, to actually test it and pilot it. And, and certainly Uniting uh, Victors do have um, uh, a structure in place and, and they're, they're a service provider that already provide this kind of service out there. So certainly they'll, they'll definitely want some more support long term, um, uh, but we do have a, a way that we should uh, be able to get this going um, if if we find it works. Mm. So there
0: then is a call to action. So if you're an older woman living in the Dramana, Rosebud, Hastings, Capital Sound area, you want to get involved in this bolton Clark Research Institute project, get in touch with us here at the radio station, and uh, we will pass that information on to you, Raina. If not, how do they get in touch with you directly? Mm
4: they can give me a call on 0400 253 459. Uh, I do have an email. Is that going to be helpful?
0: We can try. Yes. Yeah.
4: So it's all lowercase r-o-g-r-i-n at boltonclark.com.au.
0: And that'll do it for this special edition of The Age Stage, made possible, of course, by our friends at Aftercare Australasia and our new sponsors, Australian Unity. I'm Brendan Telfer. Both Paul and I will be back next week at the same time. See you then.